This podcast from Teacher Magazine is supported by Credit Union SA, supporting the education community with exclusive education community banking benefits, including their low-rate education community credit card, no loan establishment fee on car and personal loans, and fee-free transaction accounts. Fees and conditions apply. For more, visit creditunionsa.com.au. Thanks for downloading this episode of The Research Files, brought to you by Teacher Magazine. I'm Rebecca Vukovic. The Grattan Institute released a report this month titled Engaging Students, Creating Classrooms That Improve Learning that says as many as 40% of school students are unproductive in a given year. What's more, those unproductive students are, on average, one to two years behind their peers, and their disengagement also damages their classmates and teachers. When the authors refer to disengagement, they're not necessarily talking about aggressive or even violent behaviour. Instead, they are referring to minor disruptions, such as students simply switching off or avoiding work, which they found is in fact more stressful for teachers. I sat down with co-author Julie Sonneman to discuss the report's four school-level recommendations. The first says, a school-wide behaviour management plan is essential, but not enough. So I started by asking what else schools should be doing to help teachers to create effective and engaging classroom environments. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, Look, what our report really highlights is that while most schools in Australia have a school behaviour management plan in place, which is really you know, essential for laying out some of the common language and values that the school has. Um, There's some really deep problems with student engagement in class that teachers are really struggling with. Um, So, for example, we know that um, around 40% of students are disengaged in any class in a given year. Um, And a lot of this is around passive disengagement, so that's actually the largest group within that. Um, And the teachers really don't feel very equipped to handle this well, and it's really stressful um, on a day-to-day basis. Um, So what that tells us is that schools need to be doing much more to actually equip teachers with the skills to, A, to manage this well, and B, to really engage students in learning, which is the ultimate goal. So... uh, In terms of what school leaders can do, they need to do much more than just a plan. Um, They need to be giving teachers opportunities for collaboration, to work with colleagues, to really have deeper conversations around student behaviour and engagement, um, to opportunities for mentoring, opportunities for coaching and um, feedback from experts, um, as well as access to tools that actually can help monitor and assess student behaviour and engagement over time. Yeah. And the second recommendation calls for stronger induction programs for beginning teachers and and ensuring they are led by expert mentors. So can you um, just explain to me why you think it's essential and where should schools begin with this? So mentoring is really important for all teachers and particularly beginning teachers. Um, We know that beginning teachers um, are the most stressed about um, when they first transition to the classroom, which makes sense. Um, There's so much there's so much going on, Um, it could be quite overwhelming. Um, With classroom behaviour and engagement, it's a very practical and nuanced skill, so therefore mentoring is a really important vehicle for new teachers to learn 
how to do this well. Um, for, for example, we know that high-performing systems really emphasise this. So Shanghai ha- have two mentors for a beginning teacher, one for um, pedagogy and one for classroom management. Um, so it's something that um, a lot of systems emphasise um, and we know that while a lot of schools have induction programs, there's a lot of teachers who report um, in Australia um, up to half of Australian teachers say that they've only participated in, in an induction program. And we also know that only a third of uh, early career teachers have actually ever had a mentor. So it's something that's um, it's a huge gap and, yeah, we need, we need to fill. Mm. So the report also recommends that all teachers are provided regular opportunities to collaborate with their colleagues and to give and receive feedback on how to improve in the classroom. So why is collaboration between teachers so important when it comes to behaviour management and engaging students? It's a good question. So we know that the literature tells us that um, getting feedback and observing and collaborating is a really important way for teachers to learn on any aspect of teaching. But what's interesting is that they're in terms of the literature on classroom engagement and management, it's especially important for this particular skill set. And that's because it's such a highly nuanced and practical skill set. So knowing what to do is not the hard part, it's how to do it and how to execute it well. So, you know, building the confidence of a student over time, for example, who's not very enthusiastic about learning, is is something that is is difficult and nuanced and that seeing a good teacher do this well is is vital. Um, so in Australia we know that around 40% of teachers have never given feedback or observed their colleagues in practice um, and this is well below the international average so there's a real culture in schools that um, there's a real culture change in schools that needs to happen. Mm. Um, and what's interesting is that in the in data coming back from teacher surveys collaboration is the number one the number one thing that they'd like to have the chats to do more on for classroom classroom environments. So it's not about you know learning more theory or attending a seminar or a one-off course. It's they really just like opportunities to get feedback from colleagues who might also you know know the students that they're dealing with and have previously also dealt with them in class before. Mm-hmm. So the report also mentioned several strategies that could help to engage students in lessons, and I thought this was a really interesting part of the report because they you used student response cards is just as just one example. So I was hoping you could briefly explain to me what response cards actually are and why they are so effective. It's interesting. So the, the literature is quite strong in this particular area and often in a class we all know that there are certain students who always put their hand up and what happens then is that the rest of the students in the class will think, oh, that's fine, I don't need to really think um, about what the answer might be to this particular question because Sally will answer it. Um, so... Uh, response cards are a really practical way to get around this. It basically involves when the teacher asks a question, each student writes the answer on a card and shows it to the teacher. Um, And this has two benefits. One, um, it means that students are actively thinking and engaged in class. And two, that the teacher can monitor who's actually engaging and and who might need more help. Yeah, great. Um, And the final recommendation says the teachers should be provided with tools to help them identify triggers for student disengagement so they can adapt and improve their approaches. So I was wondering, what kind of triggers did you have in mind when you wrote this? And also, how do teachers go about adapting and improving their approaches? So the types of triggers for student engagement and behaviour can be really simple. So it, it could be, you know, a particular subject is when 
you notice that a student becomes a, a, you know, a lot more quiet um, because they might be anxious about the subject content matter. Um, it could be that um, there's a particular time of day. It could be when the student is in a particular class with another student. So there's some really basic triggers that can actually be tracked um, over time. And what, and it could actually also be something that the teacher is also doing. So mm. it could be the way that a teacher is handling you know, a particular student possibly with a bit of sarcasm or if, if it's confrontational um, responses from a teacher that actually then drives a, a particular reaction from a student. So uh, behaviour, there are a bunch of tools that teachers can now use. There's growing interest in behaviour assessment tools, mm -hmm. which are some pretty simple tools which just really involve tracking student behaviour over time in a really systematic way, looking at what, you know, what, what to... Um, what behaviour seems to be happening close to certain other events mm -hmm. and identifying patterns. And the good thing about recording it is that it meant, also means that that information can then be shared with experts. Mm -hmm. um, so in terms of, I think there's a lot of talk in education about teachers assessing their teaching approaches and adapting it for different students in relation to you know, maths or English or... Um, a variety of other subjects but when it comes to engagement it's not thought about in the same way whereas actually adaptive teaching needs to happen for this field as well mm. so it's really thinking about you know this is student behavior is not the problem of the student it's actually a, a challenge for the teacher to say what what can I do to get the best out of this student in this particular class mm. And Julie, as I was actually reading the report, I was thinking that perhaps there were some educators who would read the report and think the recommendations sound wonderful and that they'd like to make, and that they think that they would also make a significant difference. But I was wondering, who is responsible for actually initiating the action? Is it something that individual teachers should be doing or is it something that should come from school leadership? I think it's a mix of both. So I think there's a lot that individual teachers can do in their own class, which is great. So that, that means there's a lot that is within the teacher's control. So there is a lot now that's really clear on the, in terms of the evidence and what works. So you know, I'd encourage teachers to be reading up on it um, and also you know, instigating their own opportunities for observation and feedback and opportunities to receive coaching in their professional development time. Um, but ultimately, for this to happen on a, on a broader scale, the responsibility the rest with the school principal. So... Uh, the school principal really is the is the one person who has the capability to actually well has the responsibility to actually set up the processes and, and structures within the school to actually ensure that teachers have the time during their day to, and the headspace to actually focus on these skills and adapt and improve them. Mm. So, and look, I'd encourage all teachers if if these things aren't happening in your schools to you know, open up the conversation with the school leader because ultimately, you know, the buck rests with them. Yeah, fantastic. Yep. Well, Julie Sonneman, thank you for sharing your work with the Research Files. Great. Thank you so much for the opportunity. You've been listening to a podcast from Teacher Magazine, supported by Credit Union SA, supporting the education community with exclusive education community banking benefits, including their low-rate education community credit card, no loan establishment fee on car and personal loans, and fee-free transaction accounts. Fees and conditions apply. Visit creditunionsa.com.au. To keep listening or to download all of our podcasts for free, visit acer.ac 
forward slash teacher iTunes or www.soundcloud.com forward slash teacher hyphen A-C-E-R. To find out more about the research discussed in this podcast and to access the latest articles, videos and infographics, visit www.teachermagazine.com.au.